Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Episode 69 of Suncast. Why do you need a pivot table in PowerHub? And these guys, well, at the end of the month, what I do is I put up this pivot table and then I put up my Word document and I search the pivot table and then I cut and paste the fields into my Word document. And I was like, that sounds like an incredible waste of time for a CFO. I'm like, how many hours? He's like, I don't know. It takes me a couple of days. I'm like, really? Why don't I just build the report for you? As they come in, you flag them and it automatically sends it to the report. At the end of the month, you just look at your report, double check it and send it off. I'm saving you tens of hours a month. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and actions shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Welcome back, Solar Warriors. This is episode 69 of Suncast. I'm your host, Nico Johnson, and I am so glad that you're back again with me this week. I hope that you enjoyed Tuesday's episode with Farid Dibachi from JLM Energy, really digging into the most innovative C&I solar storage product that I've come across. How about you? You come across anything more interesting, something else that I'm missing and you really think should be highlighted? I'd love to hear from you. I'm grateful for those who've already reached out recently and recommended future guests and topics for Suncast. If you are enjoying Suncast, and I hope that you are, would you please consider rating and reviewing this show? It really means a ton to us, and it helps us get better visibility in iTunes. You could also share the show with a friend through the website, through iTunes, even Pocket Cast. You may have seen, actually, this week on some of my social posts that I am stoked that Suncast is now officially available on Spotify, the world's largest streaming service. So, it's easier than ever to share Suncast with the world. Today on Suncast, I'm taking a closer look at the nature of product development, through the lens of a reformed solar project developer. James Pagonis is head of product at PowerHub. And if that company sounds familiar, well, we did a feature on their CEO, Etienne, in episode 65. But I wanted to dig in with James about their product development process. When I met James down in Chile back in the fall, it became really clear to me very quickly that he is a consummate business professional, business development in particular. And he's really insightful, thoughtful, and a conscious questioner who seemed to always be focused on better understanding the needs of the other person in the conversation. That, for me, is the sign of a great salesman and a great leader. So I asked James if he could spend some time with me sharing his thoughts on customer development. With that in mind, do stick around if you're interested at all in hearing how James hears through the customer's ask to discern the real need and the very simple question that he has used to help propel PowerHub's product development team forward. Hey, as always, as I mentioned, if there's a topic or expert you think should be on Suncast, please shoot me an email, nico at mysuncast.com. You can also just pop over to the website and leave me a quick voicemail, www.mysuncast.com. You can do it on your smartphone, super easy. And hey, before we jump into the interview, 
I just wanted to mention, I'll be next week in CDMX at the GTM Mexico Solar Summit. If you're going to be there, you know already, I'd love to meet with you. Let's sit down and have a drink, or let's talk business. You know, Alliant Energy is also going to be there, and you'll have a chance to learn more about their innovative, fully ballasted solar tracker that is at home in the harshest environments, helping developers reduce project risk, increase yield, and keep their solar asset magically clean and productive, even out in the Sonora Desert. If you'd like a meeting with Alliant Energy, please shoot me a message, and I'll make sure to connect you with their team. In the meantime, you can check them out at alionenergy.com. That's A-L-I-O-N. And even though I'll be in Mexico, you can still get your fix of Suncast Tuesday and Thursday of next week. So don't forget to tune in for more next week. All right. Thank you for setting aside this time in your day. It is so valuable to me. Enjoy this week's episode of Suncast with James Pagonis. James, I wanted to give you a chance before we jump in to just get a sense of how you got into solar development at all and how that tied back to your being a part of Power Hub. That's actually quite funny. I got into solar development and it's probably the only job I ever answered an ad to get the job. <laughs> an ad? Yep. There was an ad in Echo Canada, which is this environmental job posting site. And it said solar developer wanted. And I came out of an environmental science degree. I did some environmental work. And I was like, hey, this sounds up my alley. So I answered an ad. I met who became my boss, a woman by the name of Michelle Chislett. And I got hired with no experience in solar. But little did I know at that point in time, very few people had any experience in solar. And this is what, 2008, 2009? This is 2007. Okay. Very early 2007. Yeah. So at that point in time, they were running something called RESOP, Renewable Energy Standard Offer Program. And they had just launched it. And mainly wind was uptaking it. There wasn't a single solar development in Canada at that time, any bigger than 50 kilowatts. I think that was about the largest one out there. And if I recall, you went on to develop hundreds of megawatts of projects, right? Not all of them got built. Oh, yeah. So when I left, we probably had about a half a gig in some stage of development, Mm -hmm. although most of them got sold off to a third party. We had about 100 megawatts operational that I helped develop and build and operate for a while. And then proposals and partnerships globally. So you went from nothing to developing hundreds of megawatts. So few people in our industry actually get to put that on their resume, right? It was a very unique experience. And I wanted that backdrop because it's important for folks to understand what informs, in fact, your ability to address the needs of an operating solar project. There can be a bit of ethnocentricity, one. Folks saying, oh, these guys are from wherever, right? Holland, or they're from... Japan or they're from Canada, what do they know about operating plants in the US? And who's this guy, James? He's the head of a software product company. What does he know about like what's going on in the back end of my solar farm? The reality is I know you have to educate customers on this all the time. I want our Suncast audience to understand that, you know, you're coming at this from the perspective of having done every element of development of soup to nuts. Oh yeah. And I have the scars and bruises to prove it. So James, having done projects around the world and now in your position at PowerHub, working with developers globally, I would love to understand what you've seen as similarities of project development globally, or maybe where you would take that in terms of your increased or enhanced understanding of how projects 
get brought to completion and fruition, if you will? It's interesting because no matter how different they are globally, they're all very similar and they all have to deal with the same general problems. The real consistency across the industry is actually technology. It generally operates the same way everywhere. The difficult is the nuances around developing and the people involved. So despite the fact that you you have to install panels and run it and connect to the grid, the complexity is really more about the people you interact with. You know, how do you get land? How do you get the local government to agree to let you build it? What are the environmental regulations? What are the other legal implications you have to do? What does the permitting process look like? All of these are consistent throughout the globe, and they all involve people, but they all are slightly different. And that translated very quickly into PowerHub to go, if we want to be a global product, we don't build something that's so rigid it deals with one region, but understands that these things adapt sometimes drastically, but sometimes there are just slight tweaks between them. So when we built this, we allowed the client to be able to manage this and to republish and be able to do it as they needed to. Because when you look at these companies that are going global, they need something that can cross place and then translate up so they can look at it from a higher perspective, from portfolio analysis or from a whole project perspective. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And I love the more I understand you guys' business model, the more I begin to understand how you came around to solving this problem. And for those who didn't catch it, Etienne's episode, we talked a bunch about how he sort of pivoted his previous consulting business into PowerHub. But James, you mentioned in a previous conversation around the founding of PowerHub. It was literally on the back of the napkin. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? It all started at SPI in Chicago. I'd known Etienne for years before that. I also know the COO, who's Aaron Peters, for years as well. And I happened to bump into him, and we decided to have lunch. We didn't even have anything that formal. We really literally sat in the cafeteria in the middle of the conference session and had pizza. And we just started just chatting about what challenges the industry sees in the future, what problems that are that are coming now that we're starting to evolve as an industry and we're not all just develop, but develop, develop, and we're starting to operate these and things. And so a lot of the components around managing long-term documents, managing long-term compliance, managing information amongst people, even losing people, because I mean, you build these things for 20 years, who wants to sit managing the same asset for 20 years? Nobody. Yeah. Right. So, so we started thinking about those type of things, institutional knowledge transfer, managing broader portfolios. And we, we thought through all these ideas and we both went our separate ways. And I, I thought, wow, that was a really cool discussion. And about two months later, Chen called me up and said, hey, you want to try and build this? I can totally see that working out in Etienne's thought process. So going from that conversation to actually building a robust global world-class platform is a vast stretch, especially for a project development guy to then pivot. I don't know your background if you had software development experience, but can you just help me understand sort of how you went about developing the product and its evolution as it relates to understanding the client and figuring out what problem are we actually trying to solve? Right now, our current version is probably our third iteration. The real key to us is to listen to the client and to listen and to do something about it which makes my job quite easy because all I do is sit and listen and I don't really make any decisions. I just let everybody else tell me what the trend is. And then we prototype, we prototype, we prototype. So the first version, we actually did a prototype and then ran it around through a bunch of our connections, got their impressions, saw what they liked, what they didn't like. And it's interesting because in that aspect, we had a very rigid platform. It essentially forced everybody down a way. You had to work this way. And although they liked the idea, they hated the idea to do it a certain way. 
They all wanted to do it their way and adapt it to their thing. So we took that very much to heart. And then we just started making it more and more flexible every time Mm -hmm. and making it more connected and being able to share more information because that's ultimately what it came down to listening to the client. You know, I hear a lot of things and I listen to things and what I bring to it is I've been in their shoes so I can empathize with it. And I can also see that sometimes what they're asking for isn't the end goal they're trying to get to. And it's also about digging through that. So I had a meeting with a potential client and the client wanted us to organize things basically like a pivot table in our system. It was a great meeting and they kept coming, well, I want this. And I was like, why do you need a pivot table in PowerHub? And these guys, well, at the end of the month, what I do is I put up this pivot table and then I put up my Word document and I search the pivot table and then I cut and paste the fields into my Word document. And I was like, that sounds like an incredible waste of time for a CFO. Right. I'm like, how often are you doing this? How many hours? He's like, I don't know. It takes me a couple of days. I'm like, really? Across your entire portfolio, you're cutting and pasting all these things in. It takes you a couple of days to finish. And so I'm like, why don't I just build the report for you? As they come in, you flag them and it automatically sends it to the report. And then at the end of the month, you just look at your report, double check it and send it off. I'm saving you tens of hours a month. And that's the example where they, they think what they want is what they're used to using as a process where I'm trying to blow through that process and automate the things that are monotonous like cutting and pasting. It's a brilliant example. I remember us discussing of the ways that by listening to the customer, reflecting back to them what you heard, you can gain greater insight into what they're trying to solve for. And, you know, this isn't just a software development methodology, right? I mean, you guys are both management consultants and this is at a management consultant level and at a core sales level, this is about how to listen and consult with your customer, but with an ear towards what problem they really are trying to address or what solution they really think that they need. We discussed earlier another one about the concept of dashboard widgets and how that evolved in your software. Can you tell me a little bit about how you think about providing your customer insight into their data? We had an original concept in PowerHub that still holds true. It's a matter of getting the information you need fast so you can make decisions. Because people spend far too much time searching for the information they need, and they don't have a lot of time to make those decisions. So that was one of the inherent things that PowerHub's built on. But when it came to us building a feature we called the customizable dashboards, that became one of the core things we wanted to implement in it. So we heard from a lot of people, they wanted to change their dashboards, they wanted things on their dashboard, they wanted to get information all the time. We heard that. And so we're like, let's do it. But we got beyond thinking, hold on, let's just create the ones they want to see we started thinking about how do we create the ones we don't know they want to see, they haven't told us they want to see. And how do we get them to get any information on that dashboard? And not just your performance, your technical, the things you hear every day that people, oh, I want to know whether I'm meeting my baseline today. How to get beyond that? So we did is we said, hold on, you can filter anything in PowerHub and then turn that into a widget. So if I mm-hmm. wanted to know exactly how many outstanding tasks Etienne had in a specific project, I could filter that down, create a widget for it, and put it right on my dashboard so I can track whatever I want. And that's about getting ahead of it. So they stop thinking, hold on, you know, I want this, call me up, I build a new widget, I push it to them, they load it on. I'm like, yeah, just click, do it. And I'm saving them yeah. a ton of time thinking ahead of potential things they may want to do once they realize they have all this free time to go looking into other things. Yeah. And this all comes back to something that I've been thinking a lot about because part of what I do when I sit down with clients is help them 
institutionalized knowledge so that they can scale in a repeatable way. The classic problem with scale for a startup is the CEO silo where all of the institutional knowledge is in the CEO or the, or the founding team's heads and they can't transfer that knowledge to others. So how have you gone about this dissemination of culture within PowerHub whereby core to the way you built the company and the product you're able to evolve your team members to really listen and dig in and figure out the really customer needs. Within my team and within PowerHub in general, there is an overall transparency. We try and talk about the problems. We try and talk about them openly. And we try and discuss them together because with a fail, understanding the client's needs is the first step. Getting to empathize with them, see what their challenges are. So in our aspect, in the product side, we write what's called requirements documents. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are just typically technical things that we hand over to the developers and they code it out. And historically, these things have been very formalized documents. Do this, do that, thou shalt, that type of thing. We changed the focus in that to what I like to call the preamble. And the preamble is, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And so the idea there is to describe why we're doing this, what is the need we're trying to solve, and all the assumptions we're making in that. And so that we hand that over to the development team, we can use their knowledge and their experience to say, oh, I see your objective. Here's my ideas I want to interject with that. Rather than asking them to basically build the Lego blocks following the instructions I gave them. And so that becomes a more dynamic discussion in which we build better, cooler stuff for our clients. That's interesting. So the developer reflecting back to you, you have this preamble, why are we doing this and what are the needs we're trying to solve? Allow the flexibility and freedom for your development team to say, I see the objective and here are my ideas on how to achieve that objective. Exactly. I don't know that that's always implicit in someone's understanding. I mean, is it just you kind of walking around the office banging a gong, like, what are we trying to accomplish on each, ta- on each new task, right? How does that, how does it actually fundamentally get sort of, do you just look, is this how you screen new employees? Like, how does this work? It is quite literally me wandering around saying, what is the client trying to accomplish? It's funny, a couple of years ago, I went to a conference in Milan. So I was gone for about a week and my team actually cut out a picture of my head, <laughs> stuck it to a coat rack and carried me around to meetings with a bubble thing that says, what is the client trying to accomplish? Just so I felt there and they understood. So I, at that point in time, I realized my message was starting <laughs> to get through. And the it was value of consistency. At that point in time, because they, they also were shooting me pictures of it all through the conference. But they got it. And I think that's really started to translate into everything. Then that's always been core to Itchen and Aaron too. It's kind of why I joined PowerHub with them is because I knew that was part of it. They were all about engaging with the client and understanding the client and trying to solve the client's problems that they perceive or even that they didn't even know they had. Mm. Right? In some cases, really about getting the crux and giving them value, even the value they didn't expect or anticipate when they first started business with you. I love that story. And I love the natural evolution of that philosophy. It reminds me of an image. Maybe we'll use this image for the header of, uh, of this episode of your whole team sitting at the Power Hub offices, except for Gonas. <laughs> and it's your Twitter bubblehead that's in a seat. I, can, I just imagine that that, like, that whole idea came from this vacation thing that you mentioned. It's funny because that's the third team photograph I've missed. <laughs> And it was completely erratic how it always happens. So at this point in time, they just gave up and put that bobblehead in there. And then I took that bobblehead and put it in my Twitter photo. So it was actually created for the photo first. I love it. That is great. So 
I find the most interesting thing, and maybe it's common to the solar industry, maybe it's common past that, is people do business with people they like. No matter what company you're in, where, where you move, you'll see that some of those same people do business with the same people. It goes beyond price. It goes to things like trust, goes to things like respect, mm-hmm. and feeling like if you're getting down the rabbit hole with them, they've got your back. And that's about building a relationship with your clients. And it comes from listening to them and understanding them. They want to do business that when shit hits the fan and everything goes sideways, you're going to jump into the trench with them and help try and figure it out. And that's a lot of value. And a lot of the friends I've made in the solar industry over the years, they've been friends because we've been in trenches together. We've figured out solutions and built it. I mean, I still remember another funny story, but from development, I was doing a development project and this is in the Canadian Shield. So there's lots of rock and stuff there. And so I have a problem developing where the racking guys are accusing the panel guys of giving non-square modules. And the overall EPC contractor is frustrated because the racks aren't lining up properly and therefore they're causing delays. So myself and the independent engineers show up. It's clear that the racks look funny. They're tilted. They're not organizing properly in the racking. What they were doing is they were pre-jigging nine panels on a rack and then they're installing it on the base. So we watched them do it. We watched them cart it out, put them on. And we're like, okay, it's not square when it gets there. And we go, okay, show us the jig where you're building these. Mm-hmm. So they start putting these together. They start putting them on the jig. And the IE goes, hold on, stop for a second. Let's take everything off. Mm-hmm. And he goes, hand me a broom. And he walks over and he brushes the jig off, gets the rocks out of the way, solves the problem. Yeah. You avoided weeks of delay. We avoided these two companies pointing the fingers at each other, potentially suing each other, trying to claim that the other one's giving non-square, causing delays and you know, a $50 million project. Amazing. And all it really needed was extra step in the process of sweeping the jig out. Sweep the jig out. You got to mind the process. You got to make sure there's quality control at every step. Things are going to happen. Like it's inevitable. Something breaks down, some bug shows up, something falls apart. It's the people that are going to be with you to fix that and help you fix it that are most important. I've worked with that IE on countless projects now. And still, he's one of my friends and we, we chat from time to time, even as a software developer. And we talk about experiences and we learn more about the industry as we do. It's, it's great. That's a brilliant example. You know, I've had an episode way back. I mean, to go in the, in the way back machine to the beginning of 2017. I think my first episode, 2017, called Your Network is Your Net Worth. And what I've seen in the solar industry, and I think it translates, extrapolates to just about every industry or vertical that, as you said, people do business with the people they like and the people they trust. And that's why you see so many founding teams of people who work together in previous companies. You know, this is so true in the module side of the business. You know, one of my best friends, Jim, he, we hired him at Trina and I've watched as he has taken customers to each one of his new businesses. And those customers no longer buy from the company Jim used to work for. <laughs> they buy from Jim. They don't, yeah. they don't consider, they in fact don't consider themselves, uh, without mentioning the companies he worked for, they don't consider themselves module company A, or I was at Trina. So they don't consider themselves Trina customers, you know, when Jim left and moved on to such extent that he was literally able to jump into a job after he was laid off. And I think this is great exemplary for anyone in the industry about how to build and maintain these networks so that they benefit your career. He was laid off and within two weeks, he walked into his next job with a 30 megawatt order. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I actually remember doing a financing with a guy. The guy's name is Dan. And the banker wanted an opinion on something. And he didn't say, 
I want this opinion from this company. He says, tell me what Dan thinks. And I'll sign off on that. And it was very different because when Dan moved companies, the bank continued to say, I want to hear what Dan says. Protect and value the reputation and relationship that you have with the industry. Yeah, without fail. Yeah, that is powerful. I invite you, Suncast listeners, if there are additional questions that you have for James or on this topic, or if you think that we didn't dig deep enough, please hit us up on LinkedIn or on Twitter. We would love to have James back and we'll address those questions as well. But James, I know we'll see you at the Solar Asset Management Conference in San Francisco. Anywhere else that folks can find PowerHub or get to engage with you? Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on social media. You can follow PowerHub on social media. I'm at James Bagonis. We're at at power underscore hub. Go to our website, www.powerhub.com. Mm-hmm. We're at Solar Asset Management North America, Solar Asset Management Europe, Solar Asset Management Asia. Pretty much um, anything Solar Plaza is doing. <laughs> <laughs> and SPI, Intersolar. Yep, for sure. Really thank you, James, for your time and for contributing to the deeper knowledge of the Suncast community. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Nico. And hey, don't forget, we're going to be down in Mexico next week, but you can stop by here again and listen to two more episodes of Suncast, as always. And if you're in Mexico, look me up. Would love to buy you a drink have a meeting with you or set you up with a meeting with my friends over at Alliant Energy. Please reach out and I look forward to seeing you here or in real life. Thanks for listening and have a fantastic week. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the ax a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend. And stay tuned.